Welcome, everybody, to the Be Kind Podcast. We're part of the Animal Advocates' mission to create a more compassionate world for all living creatures, whether or not they are going to VegFest, other events, organizing city tours. So I'm just going to stop talking and pass the mic over to our co-host, John and Kendra. So hi, John and Kendra. How's it going? Great. Hey. Awesome. (laughs) I'm actually doing the best. The best. Nice. I guess we're just doing good then. She's doing the best because there's going to be one. So... We're here today to talk with Kendra about some of the great things she's been doing. She's a longtime friend of John, so I'll just stop talking now and let John and Kendra kind of go down memory's lane and talk about their history together. Thank you so much for coming on today. It is awesome to have you, and we've been trying to get you on here for a long time, and it's so great that you're finally here, but that's because you're so busy all the time. (laughs) I'm glad the stars aligned. Absolutely. So... Let's talk about how we met. As far as I can remember, I mean, it was years. I'm like, it was like literally a child ago. Like, I didn't even have a child when yeah. I met you. So, yeah. I mean, as far as I can remember, I was like just visiting Pennsylvania, and I knew you from the Fat Ass Vegans page, and I was like, yeah, let's go meet that guy. Like, he's <laughs> like the guy to go meet, and I knew that you had great mac and cheese. True story. <laughs> yeah. So when you came, I was working at a coffee shop and I used to sell my my mac and cheese and you came in and like made this incredible idea happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, the mac and cheese bagel sandwich. I specifically remember that the mac and cheese was really, really great, but there just weren't enough carbs. Um, and there happened to also be bagels. So it's like, yeah, let's just add a little extra like top and bottom carb and turn it into a sandwich. So I'm glad that that sandwich brought our friendship into fruition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because that actually ended up becoming like a big deal. We actually named it the Carb Bomb. <laughs> Anna DeCosmo, if you're listening and watching this you coined that term so thank you for that <laughs> but yeah that sandwich was amazing yeah awesome Carbs yeah, are no, amazing really cool. like, going being in York for the very first time ever and i hadn't even been i don't even think i was in lancaster at that point it was just like my first experience in pennsylvania and the arcade was super cool like you and i and doug all you know did the all you can play arcade so that was real that was really amazing to like meet you for the first time after like i mean i think i've been a part of that facebook group for like at least four years at that point yeah. so to like be on a facebook group for four years and then like finally meet somebody in person from a facebook group like this was a few years ago so even then that was kind of weird mm-hmm. now it might seem a little bit more normal but at that time it was kind of weird when i told people what was going on <laughs> yeah because you were coming from wasn't it like colorado or something like that yeah, we were visiting Colorado. Wow, yeah, that's that's quite a trek. <laughs> Just for mac yeah. and cheese. <laughs> we were on a cross country trip, if I remember, like we drove from Colorado to Tennessee and then from Tennessee to Pennsylvania and then back to Colorado. Wow, that's incredible. I was gonna say that was back in the baby days where fat ass vegans would only had what, two thousand yeah. people? Yeah, at that point only like two thousand members and now it's like fifty three thousand. <laughs> that's insane. <It's> crazy. <laughs> Oh, I'm intimidated to post now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, no, it's great, though. I, I'm so glad you're still in there and having a good time. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Kendra, can you tell us a little bit about your vegan journey and how you got to where you are today? You know, I wasn't originally vegan. I started out vegetarian. I was living in the deep, deep south of Tennessee where they call it vegan and where they don't really understand the point of what you're doing. And honestly, I was at Famous Dave's eating some barbecue like a normal southerner would. And all of a sudden I realized, like, I'm eating the skin and flesh of something off of a trash can lid because at famous Dave's your plate was a gigantic trash can lid full of like brisket and hot dogs and like all this stuff. And as I was sitting there, I just started to feel a little gross. I was like, why am I eating this like animal flesh off of a trash can lid? And so then I just decided to start eating plant-based and, you know, give it up altogether. Um, but then once I went to Salt Lake city and lived there for a little bit, people were like, super vegan friendly and we're like oh if you don't eat meat because like animal reasons then you probably shouldn't consume dairy and i hadn't really thought much about it at that point but i was like oh no you know you're totally right so yeah it just made sense to just start eating you know fully plant-based and uh you know that was back in the day when there was no vegan butter there was like one flavor of diet there was like no vegan like options at the grocery store like you were lucky you know, if you could get one flavor of gardening tenders back then. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see, like, that transformation. Absolutely. And can you tell us a little bit about what you do with your time and energy? I don't like saying job because that's so capitalism, <laughs> but whatever kind of gets you going, yeah. what keeps you moving around the world nowadays? Yeah, you know, I just started a business last June called Unique Lancaster Experiences, and I just kind of realized that, you know, there's a lot going on in Lancaster, but if you've ever Googled things to do in Lancaster, almost nothing comes up. Like, you almost have to live here to know what's going on here, and that's been true for a lot of my friends who are like, we're coming to see you in Lancaster, but then they Google, they're like, there's nothing to do in Lancaster. <laughs> so yeah, I decided to start this company so that I could do, you know, unique experiences right here downtown in Lancaster because there's so much more to do in Lancaster County aside from like Amish stuff, <laughs> which is, you know, what Lancaster is mostly known for. So predominantly we do food tours that support minorities, immigrants and refugees. Um, so it is a walking tour around the city. You get to eat while walking around. You get to learn about every individual chef and learn about the challenges that they had to overcome just to get to this country and celebrate their prosperity while eating their food. Wow, that sounds really great. And you're right that Lancaster yeah. and York, too, are both places that on paper don't seem like we have a lot going on. But when you dive in and really get to know the community, there's so many options exactly. for things to do. And I feel like you're kind of that bridge to help people get to know the community without getting to know the community. So you're everyone's Lancaster friend when they first come out to Lancaster to show them around town. So thank you for what you do. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's really cool. Lancaster has a lot of history that people never know about. Like you would live here for, you know, a decade. And some people have been on the tour and been like, wow, I walk past here all the time. And I never knew that, you know, this business and that business were in the Green Book, which was used, you know, during segregation for people like Martin Luther King and, you know, Thurgood Marshall and, you know, artists from Motown. So those buildings are almost completely depleted throughout the U.S., but Lancaster almost has every original building that was used in the Green Book, dating all the way back to, you know, 1920s after, the you know, World War One. So it's really cool. And when you're doing this and promoting different businesses, do you ever run into ethical dilemmas where maybe a business that's owned by someone you really like and respect or you're trying to promote other businesses or restaurants aren't vegan or serving extremely non-vegan products like dead animals on a garbage can lid? <laughs> You know, I would say that the only dilemmas that I run into are that people want to be included who don't kind of fall within those parameters. 
you know, being owned by women or minorities or, or refugees, which is what this is all about. This is about supporting those specific groups of people and hearing their stories and providing a safe place for them to feel as if they are special and as if their stories are special. And everyone's story is special to a certain degree, but there are certain things that I personally feel like are meant for that specific group of people to feel recognized. And this is one of those things. So you do include non-vegan businesses in these tours and activities, correct? Yes, there there are non-vegan groups and they're all vegan. Not specifically like, so Lancaster is actually very vegan friendly, really vegetarian friendly. So there are non-vegan organizations on the tour. And But if people want the vegan version of the tour, it's very easy to accommodate that because every single place that we go has at least a vegan option. So it's easy to accommodate that. Yes, I agree that Lancaster is super vegan friendly. And that question wasn't meant to be a dig at including non-vegan places we are very much on the it's better to have non-vegan places be accommodated to vegans than just push them down and say what are you doing having non-vegan things on there because that doesn't help anybody yeah it's just cool because you know the more i come around and i say like hey we need vegan options we need vegan options you know they start to really listen more and then those options start to pop up whereas if we don't go those places and don't say those things then nothing changes so you know presenting the consistent need is really what kind of drives change in these like smaller cities yeah perfect example i was out drinking with a friend of mine this was in york not lancaster but we went to a bar to get some food and there was no vegan stuff so he goes is there anything here for you to eat i go not really so we left and went somewhere else so even just having yeah. one vegan dish for that one vegan guy is always a good option yeah. to have and you're right dead on that lancaster is super vegan friendly i live in new york and have lived here for about eight years and i just started getting more involved in the lancaster area over the past year and a half and I love going to Lancaster for work now because there's so many good places. There's Rachel's, there's Root, so there's Central Market, there's OG Prince Street, there's another Robberitos. There's so much good stuff there. Yeah. And also, you know, the South Market just opened up and it's pretty vegan friendly too. So Nice. Yes, our friend Maritza, I believe, has a stand there. So I think so. Yeah, vegan deli, right? I believe so. All right, so... And I also heard through the grapevine, also known as John, that you are going to the Lancaster Veg Fest this year. Yeah, you know, I decided in the middle of the night randomly to buy an old 1992 Dodge van and convert it and flip it for various business ventures. And one of them happens to be for the purposes of going to festivals. Um, so I am a part of the Water Street Mission Homeless Shelter. It is a, a nonprofit shelter for emergency shelter and residential community for the homeless community here in Lancaster. Um, so I work as the volunteer coordinator there. And so I will be at VegFest with Delilah the Dodge. Um, so I'll have a food drive going out front so you can feel free to bring produce, any vegan products like deodorant, shampoos, conditioners, anything that you want to bring that's plant-based and put it in the put it in the boxes. And that's kind of a really cool way to kind of get people who are in impoverished communities to start thinking more about items that are, you know, plant-based products or are, you know, better for the environment or in the materials made out of recycled, you know, products. They don't really get a lot of exposure to those types of things, but it's pretty cool when they actually do get that level of exposure. So That is so cool. I love hearing about the intersectionality of people who help not just the animals, but so many people in the community. And you're already doing that through your work, which is promoting women, minority-owned refugees, immigrant businesses. And now you're doing it also through your volunteer work through Wall Street Mission by giving them vegan products and things. So it's really cool how your life is all neatly contained within one common theme of just helping our fellow neighbors on this planet. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited about it. So yeah, I'm, you can look at the booth section, you know, for those boxes and for the flyers and, and feel free to drop things off and get connected. And if, if you're looking for ways, if someone's looking for ways to start volunteering, I'll have a sign up sheet out there as well so they can learn more about how to make an impact in the community uh, through serving those impoverished communities. I imagine that through your time going through all these businesses, talking to all these people, you have a lot of interactions with different individuals from all walks of life. What are some really great stories or memories you have that are maybe more connected to veganism than others that really resonate in your mind that you think would be impactful for people to hear? You know, I'd honestly say that I, the more I spend time just out in the community of Lancaster, the more I see those communities blind spots and those blind spots could either be ignored or we can rise to the occasion and really you know do something about it and so for myself personally you know I, I go out and I meet people and those are moms and people who need better ways to connect people with disabilities with the community because they feel a little bit distance. So yeah, I, I have a team of photographers with me, not specifically vegan related, although it is in the park and the park is a great place to enjoy nature. But yeah, we're going to be hosting a photo shoot, a mini sessions for anybody with an individual in their family that has is on the autistic spectrum. So that's going to be May the 8th and then there'll be another one the week after that. But the, May, the one on May the 8th is specifically designed to build community around anybody that has an individual in your family on the autistic spectrum. So that's going to be super exciting. And so just situations like that, I mean, I, I just learned about like the blind spots and where people feel left out. Yeah, I, I never want to be on the receiving end of information where people don't feel connected and not do anything about it. Is there anyone or any creature you don't help yeah, every sentence you say you just add one more thing oh yeah by the way i also remove up an orphanage for three-legged donkeys or something like, is there anything you don't do yeah not there aren't a lot of things right now that i won't do there's a lot of things that i don't do but there's probably not a lot that i won't do so this is something that i feel a lot of vegans have struggled with is compassion fatigue where they feel like they have to be all in for everything and always be on and always be trying to help others whether those are creatures like black cats walking around on your <laughs> laptop or cows on the farm or individuals with disabilities or individuals experiencing homelessness or really just constantly feel like they always have to be on and there for other people and they're never there for themselves is that something you've struggled with in the past and what tips would you give our listeners to make sure they don't experience that fatigue or burnout? Uh, honestly, I would say like when I first became vegan, I felt like I had to do the vegan thing, you know? I didn't really think too much about what was like my thing in terms of helping people. It was really more so me thinking about like what was the vegan thing to do. And at that time, I thought that vegan thing to do was to go to the disruptions and go to the events where they were protesting and all those different things. And, and that really wasn't it for me. That wasn't my method of activism and how to do good. If anything, I would say that it ended up being an opportunity to realize what wasn't for me <laughs> and then just really embody in my own personality the things that made me feel good and just continue doing that thing. If doing activism isn't your thing, then don't do activism. If you know if going to restaurants and disrupt doing disruptions isn't your thing, don't do those things. Just embody who you are as a person and let yourself be guided by the feel good things that meet you where you are. Yeah, your activism should fill up your tank, not deplete it. Because at the end of the day, if you burn yourself out, stop doing things entirely. That's doing no one any good, you and the animals included. 
Yeah, that's why I think it's really great about your story is that it sounds like everything you do is things that speak to you as a person. You're not forcing yourself to be someone you aren't and it's things that really speak true to who you are so you can be your authentic self through all these different things you're doing, whether it's volunteering at VegFest, your day job, your hobbies, your ethical views, your dietary habits. They all have this beautiful synergy which really is coming out as you're talking about everything you do. So, yeah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly, like, growing up in the Deep South, it really wasn't anything about being true to yourself. And the more that I just got out and traveled and, like, met new people, like Albert and just everyone, you know, it was just became really interesting to see people, like, hone in on who they are as individuals. And you, we walk around in the world, that's not a real thing. But, like, everyone's like, be true to yourself. But, like, the reality is most of the world is not being true to themselves. And they're not thinking about what makes them happy. They're just very content with clocking in and clocking out of their life and at the end of the day you can't live life like you have another try after this like there's no redos like you get one shot you get one life and you don't even have control over how long it lasts so you might as well just like live your life and try to be as happy as you can and as joyful and like if you're gonna leave this earth you might as well have helped as many people as possible while you were here <sighs> I don't know. You're amazing. <laughs> that was beautiful. I, it really was. I feel like anything I say will just sound like <laughs> caveman speak by comparison. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally right there with you. I, so many times it breaks my heart to hear people talk about soul sucking jobs where, like you said, they clock in and out and they're trading their time for money and they are not mm -hmm. being their authentic selves. And you can tell when people aren't yeah. all in. And that's why I love it when you go to the grocery store or something and the person's super authentic and super down to earth and super fun. You can joke around with them. It's great. And you're thinking, you know, I know you want to be doing better things, but gosh darn it, you're making the best of that situation here and I'm having a great time. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think fear has a way of really crippling people, but fear isn't really a choice if you let it control you. Like, you don't have a choice but to be afraid, but, you know, fear is a choice in the sense that you let it control you. Like, there's an action attached to its fear. It's a human nature to be afraid of things, but fear has the ability to control your choices if you allow it to. So just overcoming the fear of taking the first step really will go a long way. I think we can all help people taking that first step by really affirming them and leaning into them being their authentic selves and saying, great job, or just be nice to people and not judging people if they are different than you, even if it's something you disagree with. Because if they're being their true selves, you want to lean into that and let them be their true self because that's how you create those sustainable relationships with lead to things like them maybe trying the Beyond Burger or doing Meatless yeah. Mondays or going to veganism because now they see you, they know you, they listen to you and trust you and then always to a perfect, yeah. loving, compassionate world. Definitely. I mean, I feel like you guys probably had to overcome some fear in order to start doing this podcast, right? Uh, well, it was during COVID where there really wasn't anything to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's right. It does... It is takes I don't know how John edits these all the time because I would cringe if I had to look at it myself and edit it all. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to every episode because I do have stage fright. But luckily, most of the people we talk to are people are, that are friends. So it makes it a little bit easier. But there's definitely times where I'm just like, I'm just kind of like in the corner because I don't know what to say. And I'm just like, Ugh. so yeah, but I, I just put yeah. myself out there anyway. I have to say, like, I see you at so many events volunteering. Like, I wasn't even expecting to see you last year volunteering at VegFest. <laughs> and then you used to, like, organize the, like, fat-ass potlucks. Oh, yeah, the potlucks um, and stuff and so, like that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, your ability to 
to get the community of like plant-based eaters together is, is really impressive and, and and it's not something that people are really doing it's just like you know it's almost like you know we know the the stigma of like don't tell people you're vegan unless you're asked but you know what there's been a lot of times when i told somebody i ate a plant-based diet and they were like oh me too and then that minute of, i like bonded a friendship immediately we're talking about miyoko's cheese we're talking about you know all the different like vegan products so i'm gonna say i want to kill that stigma of not talking about veganism unless you're asked because you have no idea how that will spark a conversation with another person absolutely i agree yeah that's a great point i used to be in the former camp but now i think i'm in your camp in the latter so i think that worked because it is a big part of our danny we spend hours every week doing vegan activism stuff and Every meal we eat is leaning into that, so it's a big part of who we are. So why wouldn't you tell people about who you are? It's back to our earlier conversation. Exactly. You know, my son is, he's three years old and he's vegan and he tells me all the time that he's vegan. <laughs> he tells everybody <laughs> everywhere. He goes to school and he won't eat the food unless it's vegan. So, I mean, the fact that there are like children being raised to be, you know, plant-based and be to conscientious about the environment it's a really cool thing and we don't want to raise those kids thinking that they shouldn't talk about something that's that important my son he was just like you know someone will offer him a sucker at the bank because you know that still happens <laughs> and they'll be like this little boy would you like a sucker he's like no i'm vegan <laughs> you know so i mean this is a generation that's growing up we have to put some of those things to rest just like we have to put racism to rest and we got to put insecurities and lack of therapy to rest this is one of those stigmas that has to die with the older generations. <laughs> There's so many things I want to talk about now, but we're coming up on half an hour and I want to open up that bag of gummy worms. Are you really? Yeah. Wow, this is really fast. Because the whole mental health conversation is a whole other thing entirely. Because you go to the dentist twice a year for your teeth, and yet if you go to the therapist, you're a crazy person for your brain. So right? who knows? What do I know? another podcast but yes let's do it (laughs) absolutely so you mentioned that you're raising your son vegan and have you run to any we've talked about this with a few guests but have you run into any negativity or judgment from other parents or schools or teachers honestly i really have not run into it it's becoming more and more popular in schools nowadays even the school that he goes to now they provide a vegan option so i don't pack Mm. his lunch it's just made it readily available i would say anything if you speak with confidence about your child's specific situation people are more prone to respect that that's your choice instead of questioning you and questioning your authority as a parent and just likewise you know we don't question other people's, you know, beliefs about one one parent households or you know same sex households. It's just a lifestyle choice that other people have to learn to respect. So if you you know talk about your son's choices and your you know your choices or your child with authority and with you know respect, then people will just respect what you're saying. Well, I've asked plenty of questions. So John, do you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> I I've got nothing. You've just been so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I've been waiting yeah. so long for this. <laughs> definitely been a long time coming yeah anytime anybody wants to keep up with all the events that we do throughout the year experience lancasterpa.com is the website you can sign up for the newsletter i highlight a a local lancaster business owner in each newsletter talk about their business how to support them how to follow them so the website's just kind of in the beginning stages but it has all the functionalities for booking food tours and booking photo shoots and all the good stuff so 
yeah, definitely encourage people to sign up for the newsletter, get involved. We just planned a Galentine's Day scavenger hunt in uh, February, and there were about 30 women running around the city doing fun activities at different local spots, which was huge for the vendors because people from around the around the outskirts of the city were coming for the first time and didn't even know that these places existed. So we're going to do another one that's inclusive of men and women, probably for Cinco de Mayo theme. So yeah, you guys should definitely come down and, and come join. Sounds like a plan. Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on. And if anyone wants to get a hold of us, you can email us at bekindpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll put all the info to get told of Kendra in the show notes and so that way you can reach out to her if you have any questions or want to experience lancaster (laughs) awesome thank you all right thank you so much for coming on bye thank you for listening to the be kind podcast presented by the animal advocates of south central pennsylvania